0: Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And
1: it's Saturday, and I would go into the vault, but my feet are melting. It's all this green goo that you were stepping in, and uh, now it's dissolving our feet. By a wonderful act of coincidence. (laughs) Today, we're going to be exploring the quest for Hollywood acid. This is an episode that originally aired May twelfth, two 2016. It's about the idea of that perfect movie acid, the acid that burns right through everything. Uh, And this episode, I think, was highly, inspired by a scene in the movie Batman Forever where a guy gets locked in a vault with a bunch of acid. Oh, that's right. That's right. It's perfect. I think we discuss it in the episode. I will just wager that I don't need to go ahead and explain it here.
0: Right. The other major touchstone, of course, being the blood of the xenomorph. Yeah. What is... You were the one, I think, who came up with the idea for this episode because you were watching these movies Uh uh, with these fabulous acids in them and saying, well, what... What would that be? What actual naturally occurring or even artificial acid could eat through the hull of a ship like this and have such such instant flesh-melting uh, capabilities? Right. So we just thought we'd have a little uh, rapid corrosion party. Yeah. Let's get into it. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. Hey, real quick at the top of the show here, if you want to explore more of Stuff to Blow Your Mind, head on over to StuffToBlowYourMind.com. That is our mothership. That is the main website where you will find all of our episodes. You'll find videos, blog posts, links out to our social media accounts. And if you want to support the show, a great way to do it is to simply rate and review us wherever you get the show. Yeah. So, Robert, I've got a question for you. All right. Hit me, Joe. I'm going to take you to a
1: dark place. This might be a little traumatic. Okay. Okay. Do you remember 1990s, the Batman movies of the 1990s? Think back to Batman Forever. Ooh, that was that yeah. was a dark time. Directed by Joel Schumacher, <sighs> uh, starring Val Kilmer as mm-hmm. Batman. And Tommy Lee Jones in it as the as Two-Face, a very manic Two-Face, if I recall.
0: Yeah, he, w- he was kind of all over the place with that yeah, one, wasn't snarling he? Snarling a lot mm-hmm. and kind of whipping his body around in a frenzy. And that, of course, was he acid-scarred in that telling of the... Uh I believe he oh, was, sure. yeah,
1: yeah. They so the the story of Two Face in that version is that he's uh, Harvey Dent is the the lawyer who becomes Two Face. I believe he's a district attorney and he gets scarred on one part of his face and it drives him insane. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I don't think they go deep into the backstory in Batman Forever, but anyway, it's Tommy Lee Jones and he's he's going wild and he's he's really trying to get Batman in this one. So there's a scene where Batman. Goes into a bank vault where there is a, I believe, a vault guard of some kind <laughs> tied up, and uh, when Batman goes in to rescue this guard, the uh, the door slams shut. And acid starts pouring out of all of the i believe out of the safe deposit boxes, okay, <laughs> so uh, a lot of people maybe were keeping their precious acid in this vault uh and the the vault guard realizes what's happening as as two face taunts them uh that they're going to die in this bank vault, and the guard says, "Oh no." It's boiling acid. <laughs> There's like a seven-second YouTube clip of this that I watch at least once a week. It's one of my favorites. Yeah,
0: I, I watched this uh, for the first time, I think, because I don't know that I've actually seen this uh, this Batman film. I was super into the first two Yeah, the uh, when I was a Batman kid. Movies. Yeah, the Burton Batmans were great, and I wanted to get into the Schumacher ones, and it no. just it didn't work. And I think part of the reason not is, worth it. is that boiling acid— uh, Tightly sums up everything about those films. Well,
1: exactly, and one of the things that I find so funny about it is: well, if Two Face is trying to kill them, why couldn't it be? Oh no, it's boiling water! Right.
0: <laughs> I mean, if it's boiling, what what difference does it make? Or if it's acid, or hey, if it's just water, if you're flooding, <laughs> if you're flooding a sealed oh, room, yeah. right? I mean, it can be that
1: it's room temperature water. Yeah. We're gonna drown. Uh, yeah, and so. This obviously brings in a... a favorite old trope of the superhero genre, but really it's all throughout the movies. And this is movie acid. Oh, yeah. Notice that the guard in the vault doesn't say what the chemical compound is. It's not like he recognizes, oh, no, it's hydrofluoric acid. (laughs) No, it's just acid. Mm -hmm. And this kind of acid plays a role in all of our favorite, you know, our favorite cartoons, uh, science fiction and superhero stuff. it's, It's movie acid. It's Hollywood acid. So you're probably familiar with this. You remember lots of other scenes from Batman, I bet, mm-hmm. right? It's always in Batman, like the villain captures Batman, is the Penguin or somebody's got Batman tied up on a rope dangling over a vat of acid.
0: Yeah, I mean it's such a yeah, like a vat of acid is just one of those things it's it's a it's a perfect uh, like human technological achievement that we can then uh, utilize for menacing purposes. You know, it's like yeah. the, it's like having a whole bunch of molten steel on hand or a hydraulic press. Right.
1: It represents all of the evils of human industry and mm-hmm. sort of the, the cold killer nature of technology. But at the same time, it's it's a great just sort of like uh, a vertical peril. Mm -hmm. It's like a thing to have below you. It's like a pit of piranhas or a pit of crocodiles or something. In this case, it's a pit of molecules that want to, to want to play nice with all of your skin. So. What are the properties of Hollywood acid or movie acid, we might call it? I I, want to list a few, and maybe you'll have
0: some of your own. Okay, go
1: for it. One of them is that it causes severe and immediate burns
0: to the skin and soft tissues. Does that sound about right? Yeah, just immediate scarification, meltification. Um, And we can run through some
1: examples of that in a minute. Right. So another one is if you put organic material such as a Batman into a vat of acid, it will kill and then rapidly dissolve that organism. So it has not only killing and burning powers, but also liquefaction powers. Okay, yes. You, you with me so far? Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is that uh, the colors can vary, but it's never clear like water. You notice that? At, right. The it, acid in the movies, it always is usually
0: opaque, uh, usually a shade of green, purple, or orange, I find. Yeah, green, I think, is the big one. And and I'll mention a few examples that have instilled that that idea in me. But, like, if I was to draw a picture... Uh, you know, doodle something with acid on the side of a piece of paper, it would be green.
1: Yeah. It, a good example of the green acid is uh, in that classic ep- episode of The Simpsons where Millhouse becomes Fallout Boy. Yes. And there's uh, there's Radioactive Man. They're filming a scene from the movie. That's and real
0: acid. I want to see goggles, people. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> uh, it's great. But uh, so th- another thing about the acid is that it displays ambient bubbling so oh, yeah. you don't
0: have to heat it up it just naturally boils like a like a pot on the boil. Well that's so you can look at it and know that it's acid. Like mm-hmm. it's it's bubbling, it's green. It could not be more acid. Yeah. And of course the final the final factor is often kept in a giant vat though yeah. sometimes also kept in something that squirts it out. Do you want to keep it in an open vat open open top uh, with some you know room to have uh, some sort of a cha- chain system in place and some you know pulleys or whatever however you want to position your uh, nemesis above it. Right. Now Robert tell me your movie acid story. What 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 are your memories from childhood of, of oh. beloved movie acid? Oh, I have I have several uh but probably the most scarring <laughs> was uh, at a young age, like too young of an age, uh, I saw RoboCop. Who let you watch RoboCop at a young age? I think I, it was like um, like an uncle's house uh, and it was on. And, but then again, RoboCop is so violent. Uh-huh. It's hard to determine exactly what age during a childhood is appropriate to watch RoboCop. A RoboCop, an R-rated ultra-violent picture for which there were toys, and I, I think still yeah. are toys, produced. Another thing, I mean, to
1: say about RoboCop is that the level of violence in it isn't incidental. It's deliberately hyper-violent, yeah. I would say in a satirical, uh, for satirical reasons.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a great film. Um, but, who I think back about, to, to my seeing it as a, as a young person, and I'm, I'm a little appalled at times. But, yeah, there's a scene where, and I'm sure anyone who's seen this has this ed burned into their mind as well. One of the villain's yeah. uh, gets gets just... Coated in acid. I like, believe his name's Emil. Is that, it, is that his name? I think okay. so, yeah. So Emil gets coated in acid. I don't even remember how it happened. Like, did Robocop shoot a Vata acid that was behind him in an industrial yeah, there, setting
1: well there are a lot of there's a lot of sort of ambient industry in the mm-hmm. movie it takes place in a dystopian future de- detroit and they're like old factories with what we would presume are just vats of toxic waste and acid hanging around mm-hmm. yeah and somehow
0: this guy gets it splashed all over him during a car chase scene yeah and then he comes just zombie like walking out shambling totally meltified <laughs> <laughs> and and then a car runs over, like there's a second there where you're just horrified, like, oh, this poor guy. Look at the state he's in and then like RoboCop or one of the villains, I think it's the main villain, yeah. hits him with the car and he just like splatters like a like a water balloon full of blood and yeah. goo. Yeah, it's the dad from that 70s show who yeah. hits him with the car. And I never that, trusted
1: that 70s show because of RoboCop. <laughs> I knew what he was capable of. Clarence Boddicker, he's a great villain. Yeah. But yeah, so he hits him with the car and he just turns to liquid. He's like a bag of soup. And uh, and the, I remember the villain, he turns on the windshield wiper Yeah. After oh. Yeah, it's gross. Uh, but it's also, there. there's tons of acid in video games, right? Video games mm-hmm. love this. I guess because acid's probably fun to animate.
0: Yeah, and if and a lot of games, if you're doing like a platform game, right, it's a it's a wonderful thing to have to fall into and sort of bounce out of. But my favorite example is uh, from Mortal Kombat 2, which was like a major, major game for me when I was uh, younger. And in that, you have two wonderful uses of acid. You have a stage uh, called, I think, the Deadpool. Where you're fighting on a platform and there's just just green acid uh, fills the room around. Is it you. ambiently bubbling? I can't remember if it's bubbling or not. But you, if you uppercut your opponent into the acid at the the end of the match for the mm-hmm. fatality, then they just splash, they scream, they disappear under the acid, and then when they float up to the top, they're just a a, a completely clean skeleton. Oh, how long does that take? Uh, one second, two seconds. Okay. Yeah, and then of course that game also introduced the character Reptile, who is a reptile, a lizard man ninja. Um, <laughs> which I just, you know, you just yeah, take that, that for granted sense. now. But uh, he also spits acid, so he takes his little mask off and goes, and this uh, this green glob comes flying across the screen and burns you.
1: One of the most horrible acid scenes I remember from a kid was from the movie The Fly. We shouldn't oh, dwell God. on this. Yeah, g- kind of great movie, but ugh. Uh yeah, the fly has digestive enzymes, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he sort of like spits out on people to, uh, to homogenize their flesh.
0: Yeah, I think there's an early scene where Brundlefly, the of course, uh, you know, if, if you haven't seen it, first of all, go see it. Uh, but uh, Mad Scientist and a fly, their uh, DNA is spliced via teleportation uh, accident, and there's a scene where he's recording himself. Uh, feeding on something like some, just a bunch of sugary junk food, you know? right? And you don't actually see it happening; you just hear it, and it's uh, horrific. And then, of course, later he uh, weaponizes this uh, biological effect. And speaking of weaponized acid biology, we would have to
1: mention—I guess this will be our final example—the xenomorph from the oh, Alien yes. films. Uh, so in Ridley Scott's Alien, you might remember this, the, the old classic Alien, we first see the xenomorph's acid blood during the scene where, if you'll remember, uh, John Hurt's character gets, a, gets an alien parasite attached to his face called a facehugger. Yeah, it like and, burns through his uh, his helmet yeah, to attach it to yeah, his face. Yeah, it comes mm-hmm. through his face mask and then it's attached to his face and and they're trying to decide if they should cut it off of him on the spaceship and Ian Holm eventually decides to cut one of its fingers off to see if they can remove it, and it squirts blood. And this blood hits the floor, and it sizzles when it splashes on the floor and then continues to eat right through the material of the spacecraft's floor and then drops down through, like, two more floors, I think, through the levels mm-hmm. until it eventually stops reacting a few levels down. Yeah, it finally neutralizes and...
0: before it goes through the entire
1: hole. (laughs) And then Tom Skerritt's character, uh, Captain Dallas, he says he's never seen anything like that before except, quote, molecular acid, (laughs) which is funny. That that term doesn't really make any sense since all acids are composed of molecules. Uh, And in the sequels, they correct this by saying the aliens have concentrated acid for blood, which does make more sense in, in the sense that they're suggesting it's not... Uh, like vinegar or some other friendly acid that's highly diluted to a safe concentration. It's a highly concentrated uh, strong acid. But later in this episode, we should explore exactly what might be going on in terms of uh, the alien's blood, how it could be that acidic if there were something truly like that in nature. Yes, we will circle back around to the xenomorphs at the end. Uh, but anyway, so why why this obsession with acid? we we love this stuff. I mean, it keeps showing up in our media all the time, even though we're we're not really, we can't be bothered to learn all the chemistry of exactly what chemicals are uh, are are out there that could do real harm to our body. So it's always just acid. You know, there's some mm-hmm. acid. It's
0: just basically like a magical, corrosive substance,
1: yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. so we we wanted to talk today about the real science of strong acids and i don't know to to what extent you can find chemicals in the real world that match up to these the movie acid and h- how close you can get yes okay so to give you the basics before we get into the 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 strongest acids out there the movie acid we we should do a real simple overview of acids bases and ph i'm not going to turn this into a chemistry class but we do need to sort of explain how they work so First of all, picture your periodic table and then go directly to square one, hydrogen. It's the most basic atom in the universe. It's got one proton and one electron. And uh, most of the hydrogen in the universe has no neutrons, but if you want to add one or two, you can get deuterium or tritium, but we're not really concerned with that right now. So your hydrogen atom, one proton, one electron, and it's electrically neutral because it's balanced like that. The electron has a negative charge. The proton has a positive charge. If hydrogen loses its electron, it becomes a hydrogen ion, which is just a proton. It's one single lonely proton with an unbalanced positive charge. And, of course, nature hates that unbalanced positive charge. Mm-hmm. It wants to get back together. So that lonely proton is going to be looking for a way to join up with something that has a negative charge and again become electrically neutral So water is made of the electrically neutral molecule H2O. That's one oxygen atom bonded with two hydrogen atoms. And if one of the two hydrogen atoms in the water molecule breaks free, it just runs off, says, I'm going to do my own thing, uh, free of a water molecule and leaves its electron with that water molecule, you're left with a hydrogen ion, uh, which is just that positively charged free proton proton and then a hydroxide molecule which is oh minus it's a molecule with a negative charge with one oxygen atom one hydrogen atom now this can happen naturally in water sometimes this is called the the ionization of water or autoionization of water you can just have water sitting there in a glass and some subset of the molecules within it are going to undergo this reaction where a hydrogen a uh, proton leaves one of the molecules, joins to another one, and that creates this hydroxide molecule, OH negative, negatively charged, and then also an uh, a molecule called hydronium, which is H3O. It's a positively charged uh, water molecule that has three hydrogens on it. And so here's where we get into acids and bases. bases. There are several different chemical definitions, but we're going to go with the Bronsted-Lowry definition because... You know, which other definition would you go with? This is obviously the best. It's (laughs) named after the Danish chemist Johannes Nikolaus Bronsted and the English chemist Thomas Martin Lowry. And so the way it goes is this. An acid is a hydrogen ion donor. In other words, a proton donor. It's a chemical that when you put it into water – It wants to send free hydrogen ions, these protons, out into the solution. And in turn, that increases the concentration of hydronium or H3O, that positively charged molecule I was talking about. The opposite of this is a base. A base is a hydrogen ion recipient or a proton recipient. When you put it into water, it wants to increase the hydroxide concentration. It makes more molecules of OH-, minus, the negatively charged uh, variant of water. So what would be an example of this? Okay, so one would be, for example, hydrochloric acid. So you put hydrochloric acid in the water and it wants to break apart and donate that positively charged hi- hydrogen ion to the water – creating some negatively charged chloride and positively charged hydronium. And here HCl is the acid and water is the base by the Bronsted-Lowry definition. But all this stuff about acids and bases is generally going to be concerning aqueous solutions. In other words, putting stuff in water. Uh, And so uh, this has a really awesome name, by the way, and it's known as protonation. Oh, nice. So when you add a strong acid to a water, because you're giving away those positively charged... Uh, uh, hydrogen ions you're protonating the water Uh, and on of course on the other hand you can use a base to deprotonate a solution okay One more piece of terminology, you've probably heard of the strength of acids and bases expressed in terms of pH. They say, you know, an acid has a pH of 3 or pH of 6. What does that mean? pH is just the concentration of those hydrogen ions in a solution. So normal water, that's neutral. And the neutral pH is usually said to be 7. So that would be 1 times 10 to the negative 7 moles per liter of hydrogen ions. And we're not going to stay on this math for a long time, but just to be clear, a mole is just a measure of how many molecules you got in something. And moles per liter would be the concentration of how many molecules you've got uh, per liter of water. Specifically, a mole is 6.02... Uh, and then some more numbers, but basically 6.02 times 10 to the 23rd. There's a lot of molecules out there. Yeah. Uh, and so this is this is expressed by saying it has a pH of 7. So if you have a compound with a lower pH, that's going to get more acidic. They donate protons harder. They say, take these protons, take them. Uh, I like to put that in
0: um – in perspective what lemon juice is a two, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's about right. In fact, we can read a few uh, a few examples of, of pHs in a minute. And then also on the other end of the scale, uh, compounds with higher pH values are stronger bases. They're more alkaline. They steal protons harder. They're recipients of protons. Uh, and so just to give a few examples on the pH scale, I just found a, a an illustration online that gives some basic general ideas. Like we said, Uh, Distilled water is going to be a 7. It's neutral. That uh, sea water is going to be a little more of a base. It's more like an 8. And then you get uh, baking soda solution. It's a little more. It's like 8 point something. Bleach is going to be like 13. That's a strong base. Uh, But then going lower on the scale, acids are going to be things like uh, vinegar is going to be around a 3 or a 4. Orange juice is going to be around a
0: 3 or a 4. Uh, it's ma- interesting that vinegar is between orange juice and carbonated beverages, with carbonated beverages being a, a higher uh, acidic level than vinegar.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, they they usually say Coca-Cola is pretty darn acid, mm-hmm. isn't it? I think that was their original slogan. But right. Yeah. Taste the acid. <laughs> and then once you get really low, closer to zero on the scale, you've got something like battery acid, just really intense, strong acid take all the protons, take them all.
0: Right. And that's that is often where we see the at least the idea of Hollywood acids in that area. The idea like this is battery acid. This is industrial acid. This is highly corrosive stuff that will pick your skeleton dry.
1: Yeah. But I should point out that we're going to be talking about how strongly acids can dissolve things like organic materials today. Mm -hmm. And so because the acid that uh, reacts with you does so through a chemical reaction, the chemicals involved matter. So some acids might actually have a lower pH than others, but still be less harmful. For example, hydrofluoric acid, one we're going to talk about today, is is one of the most deadly acids out there, but it doesn't necessarily have the lowest pH.
0: Mm-hmm. And then uh, when we're talking about the deadly aspects of, uh, of, of acids, another thing that we'll touch on too is that Sometimes it's not only the corrosive aspects of the acid, but what happens when it uh, when it has when it undergoes a chemical reaction, what kind of gases can be emitted there are yes. some of these examples you end up with uh, with toxic gases that are released when the acid comes into contact with the, with the right substance. Exactly.
1: And another thing tying into hydrofluoric acid, which we're going to talk about a little more in a minute, uh, the danger associated with it isn't just from, say, topical burns. It doesn't just burn you from the outside in and, and kill you that way. Uh, by getting into your skin and then getting into your blood, it can cause systemic problems that can kill you, for example, by causing a heart attack.
0: Right. And prolonged exposure to some of these uh, have also been linked to cancer. So there are a number of ways that these uh, these dangerous substances can uh, can harm you.
1: Yeah, okay. So let's say, uh, based on everything we've just looked at, you're going to try to dissolve some organic material such as a Batman. Okay. Uh, so you have a very strong acid, so you've got a vat of it, and you, you put that acid into an aqueous solution, meaning water. So you've got your acid dissolved into water, and then you put your Batman in. What's going to happen to your Batman well, depending on the makeup of the solution, what's probably going to happen is that the acidic solution will begin breaking the chemical bonds of molecules on the outer surface of the Batman so that you know, the excess of protons and charged molecules can form bonds with other molecules in that Batman material – And assuming it can eat through the Batman suit, it's going to start hacking up the lipids and the protein molecules in the Batman's skin, forming new chemical bonds and slowly turning this imbalanced acid water Batman solution into a more homogenous gloop. Bat gloop. Yes. Uh, However, there are probably some materials in the Batman and the Batman suit that will not react with the acid, meaning you're not likely to end up with a perfectly homogenous mixture. You might get some gloop with some lumps in it. Okay. Essentially, the villain's acid just wants to bring Batman into equilibrium. Isn't that a nice way of thinking about it? Yeah, he is definitely a character
0: out of balance with the world.
1: Right. And so unless somebody perhaps comes along with a dump truck through, uh, full of a weak base, like baking soda, to pour in and neutralize the solution, that's what's going to happen. Though, I'm not sure exactly how that would work out for the Batman if he's still in the vat
0: while they're neutralizing it. Ooh, yeah. Would, it, would there be an explosion? An eruption? I don't know. There were... I, I think the classic Batman TV uh, series, uh, of course, with its rigorous approach to science, uh, you would probably see Robin show up, dump the base in, everything would turn to a big foam. Uh-huh. And it uh, would be like a foam, slippery dance fight if, party. Pow. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody does the twist.
1: <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to look at a rogues gallery of dangerous acids.
0: All right, we're back. Well, let's yeah, let's let's roll through a few examples of some powerful, potent real-world acids. And again, we're not we're going to try not to just really chemistry class you too much on these, but we're going to, you know, roll through the some of the basic uh, health ratings and um uh, and, and attributes of these substances.
1: Well, we talked about uh, early on the idea of these these acids that occur in biology, and mm-hmm. one acid that definitely occurs in biology is hydrochloric acid. Oh, yes. HCl, so this is going to be a bond between hydrogen and chlorine, and
0: it it gets the job done. And I want to note that uh, uh, these properties are coming off of the MSDS, that's the Material Safety Data Sheet. It's for a good the sheet. Yeah, the, if, you, if you're interested in pretty much any substance uh, any chemical substance you can generally find um uh, an msds on on the internet for this and uh it's it can be a little bit interesting a little bit technical mm-hmm. uh depending on how much of it you read uh so the appearance of hydrochloric acid uh it it would not work in a mortal Kombat game because it's uh it's colorless though it is uh, a fuming liquid mm. uh it has a pungent odor of hydrogen chloride which means your your dude in the bank vault with batman might be able to Sniff it out. Yeah, and um, it, when it comes to its solubility, infinite solubility in water, uh, with slight uh, evolution of heat. <laughs> Not necessarily boiling, but slight evolution of heat. Right, and so the uh, uh,
1: the MSDS comes with these ratings. It's a great rating system. It's kind of like the the
0: MPAA for acids. Know what yeah. you're getting ahead of time. Yeah, exactly. Um, the uh, most of the ones we looked at use the JT Baker SAFT data scores. Uh, essentially given it like a, you know, it's kind of like character classes in Dungeons and Dragons, right? It's health rating, it's flammability rating, uh, reactivity, uh, rating, contact rating, et cetera. Um, I'm not going to deal with all these, but, but as far as hydrochloric acid goes, it's health rating is a three, which is severe, like a poison level. Yeah. Zero on flammability, uh, reactivity rating is a two. Contact rating is three. That means it's severe, it's corrosive. Uh, do not touch it. So you need to, if you're handling this stuff in the lab, you need some protective measures in place. Yeah, it's highly corrosive, so it's dangerous for us to inhale. To, if we, we should not come into contact with it on our eyes, on our skin. Do not ingest it. Uh, you, you don't want to undergo chronic light exposure to it either. Um, and then, oh yeah, when it's heated to decomposition, it emits toxic hydrogen chloride fumes and will react with water or steam to produce heat. And toxic uh, and corrosive fumes.
1: Yeah. But of course, as I mentioned earlier,
0: despite all this, you've got hydrochloric acid in your body. That's right. I mean, this is the stomach acid. This is uh, this is part of you. And really, it's an important thing to keep in mind with acids in general. Like acids are part of our chemical world. Yeah. Acids are part of the chemistry of life. They're part of our biochemistry uh, in, in varying degrees. So, yeah, the, the, uh, even though we like to position acid in that vat of, of man-made peril, yeah. uh, it's really just a part of our world. So parietal cells produce hydrochloric acid in our body. It's a strong acid. It helps you break down your food. The acid in your stomach is so concentrated that if you were to place a drop on a piece of wood, it would eat right through it. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. And uh, the G cells produce gastrin. Uh, a hormone that facilitates the production of hydrochloric acid by the parietal cells. So the stomach, because, of course, one of the big questions is, well, why doesn't the acid in our stomach consume us, right? Yeah. Well, the stomach is protected by the epithelial cells, which produce and secrete a bicarbonate-rich solution that coats the mucosa.
1: Okay, so that's taking the method of uh, saving the Batman by dumping a bunch of baking soda into the vat.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, putting in a base. Exactly. Uh, the bicarbonate is an alkaline. A base neutralizes the acid that's secreted by those parietal cells, producing water in the process. And this continuous supply of bicarbonate is the main way that your stomach protects itself uh, from autodigestion. Um and the overall acidic environment of your you your tummy.
1: So, uh, so it sounds like this uh, process of creating the base to neutralize it is not something you want going wrong in your body.
0: Right. Yeah, that's why you generally want a good a good balance uh, in your stomach uh, chemistry. Yeah.
1: Okay. So hydrochloric acid—that's nothing to be toyed around with. Right. But there are stronger and more dangerous acids out there. And I think maybe we should move on. So if if hydrochloric acid was sort of the, uh, I don't know, the Riddler of the acid rogues gallery, I think it's time to move on to the Joker.
0: Yes, the and Joker would definitely be sulfuric acid. Darn and, right. Yeah, and this is one, I, th- I would say of all the acids, their technical names, sulfuric acid is the one that is that is most commonly used in fiction. Yeah. Granted, not without a, a real deep understanding of what it is, but like the name itself sounds a little scary. Sulfur, it's, it's hellish, right? Sulfuric. Yeah. The, the, the name itself sounds a little bit evil. Well,
1: chemically, it's H2SO4. So that's hydrogen with uh, sulfur and oxygen. And it forms this molecule that is very, very keen to protonate.
0: Oh, yes. So it's uh it's a clear, oily liquid. It's odorless, so sorry, bank vault dude. Yeah, um, I, I, both of these so far are clear, right? Yeah, yeah, nothing green. Why, why not green or orange? <laughs> it's also uh, miscible with water, which means uh, that it forms a homogeneous mixture when added to water. Uh-huh. Liberates a, a fair amount of heat. Um, and it's highly corrosive and dangerous to humans just across the board, much like uh, uh, hydrochloric acid.
1: So how does it compare in terms of the rating? So hydrochloric acid w- for for the health rating, we had a three. And
0: for the contact corrosivity rating, we had a three, right? But right. A three on both. Yeah. And had a um, had a two for uh, reactivity. Yeah. And a zero for flammability. This time around, we have another zero for flammability. Um However, uh, reactivity went up from a two to the to a three, so we have severe uh, water reactivity here. Uh, and then, as far as uh, health rating goes, we have another three, so it's just a severe. It's okay. poisonous. But contact rating goes up from three to four, from severe to extreme. So it's extremely corrosive.
1: How how, how do they decide what word goes with that? I might say severe is worse than extreme.
0: Well. I don't know. Uh, it's it's going to be specific to the um, the JT Baker SAFT data score, I guess. Because I need
1: a good poet to go through and annotate this data sheet
0: instead of like a single word, like a nice description exactly of everyone's encounter with it, or yeah. an example from a movie, right? Like this is a um, you know this is a Mortal Kombat two level acid.
1: Yeah. Uh, so if if you're going for this movie kind of acid, I, I think
0: we're we're getting more into
1: the territory here of acids that are really gonna maybe not behave exactly like the movie acid you're used to, but get closer to that than than many other things would.
0: Right. Now, another, some other bad stuff about sulfuric acid. When heated to decomposition, uh, it produces toxic fumes of uh, oxides of sulfur. Uh, it will react with water or steam to produce toxic and corrosive fumes. It reacts with uh, carbonates to generate carbon dioxide gas, and with cyanides and sulfides to form poisonous hydrogen cyanide and hydrogen sulfide, respectively. All sounds lovely. Yeah. So again, that's something though that is is often I don't feel like that that's utilized. The 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 the, the resulting toxic gas of uh, acid interactions in films. Like, we're we're so concerned with what happens when the xenomorph blood gets on you or your armor or the floor, but how about any resulting fumes?
1: Well, yeah, we're, we're always so much more uh, concerned with liquids than with gases. W- one example is volcanoes in movies. Oh, yeah? you know, volcanoes in real life, I think they're way more likely to suffocate and kill you with gases emitted uh, or or by covering you in ash and, and ejecta and stuff like that. But what you see in the movies is the lava. People are running away mm-hmm. from liquid lava rolling down the hill toward them. you a volcano is very likely to kill you, but it's very not likely to kill you that way.
0: Another thing, that, and this is going off topic a little bit, but flamethrowers in a confined space. Yeah. It's a staple of our uh, entertainment, uh-huh. and yet it is such a bad idea to just rapidly consume. I mean, a flamethrower in general is a bad idea, a real flamethrower. Oh, yeah. Um, Quick way you, to suffocate yourself. Yeah, it's a great way to suffocate yourself, and it's rarely rarely is that explored. The only example I can think of offhand is that there is a wonderful Nazi zombie film from the 70s or 80s titled Shockwaves <laughs> and there's a scene where they don't have a flamethrower but they they light some flares I think to ward off the the creatures and they're in a confined space and it just eats up all the oxygen and everybody's like gasping for breath and oh. I remember at the time thinking ah thank you movie for 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 thinking a little bit that's smart yeah Okay, but back
1: to sulfuric acid. So sulfuric acid, based on how dangerous it sounds, you're you're probably never going to have this in your home, right? Well, not necessarily. Oh, no. Now, uh, you you might be able to get sulfuric acid in the home in some diluted uh, concentrations. So a 1998 study in the Journal of Trauma and Acute Care Surgery that I came across was called Cutaneous Burns Caused by Sulfuric Acid Drain Cleaner. Oh. Yeah, pretty horrible. So a lot of the commercial drain cleaner you're going to get, be getting is actually going to be based in a strong base rather than a strong acid. Uh, so it might have something kind of like lye in it to dissolve uh, to dissolve materials in the drain, to do some some alkaline hydrolysis and clear it out, get all that hair and gunk out of there. But also – there are some preparations made with strong acids, such as highly concentrated solutions of sulfuric acid, and, and some people will sell these and you can buy them. And this has caused accidental uh, and sometimes intentional yes. burns in the home. So this study looked at a period of 13 years ending in May 1996, uh, looking at children and adults who sustained sulfuric acid burns in the home through products like these. And it looked at 21 patients. There were 13 kids and eight adults. And I just want to read the results. They say in eight instances, the the sulfuric acid burn was accidental, whereas in 13 cases, sulfuric acid was used as a weapon. Median total body surface area burned was 5% uh, or a range of 1% to 25%. Approximately fifty percent of burns involve the face and the neck. Skin grafting was required in fourteen patients, or sixty six percent. And it's estimated that nationwide approximately three thousand injuries per year are related to drain cleaners, and that one third of these involve cutaneous burns. So this is uh, this is one kind of scary fact about what sulfuric acid can do outside of the lab
0: yeah and this does remind me that in um you know a lot of films and t v and and certainly in horror literature um uh, drain cleaner is is often used as that kind of household horror this yeah. thing that is uh you know when used correctly is certainly just a part of our lives, and we don't think about it, but if you turn it around, it becomes this horrible inhuman thing and uh and i, I should also point out if you uh, some people might have might have missed this in this episode because it was kind of maybe we were bearing the lead a little bit. But um, the most recent creepypasta episode that Christian and I did gets into, uh, the, su- into the issue of acid attacks and yeah. uh, the restoration of surgical restoration of individuals who have uh, experienced acid attacks. Yeah.
1: So it mentions the like the grafting that was yeah. mentioned in mm-hmm. this study. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's a horrible thing to think about it in real life being used as a weapon. Probably doesn't behave exactly the same way we do see the movie acid behaving, or certainly not as rapidly. But at the same yeah. time, can cause it very severe burns and and damage to the body. So it, it's not something to mess around with. Indeed. But next, let's look at one more rogue in our in our rogue's gallery of dangerous acids. And I think this one's going to be one of the most interesting. This is hydrofluoric acid, or HF, made of a bond of hydrogen and fluorine.
0: Let's look at the uh, MSDS scores here on this one. So health rating. Our previous two examples were both three, which were severe. This one is a four. This Ooh. one is extremely poisonous. Uh, it, this one also has a zero on flammability. Uh, its reactivity rating is a mere 2, so that's down from 3 uh, that we had on uh, sulfuric acid. And then its contact rating is a 4, extremely corrosive, just like sulfuric acid. Yeah. So it's a colorless fuming liquid. Uh, it has a very um, very acrid odor, do not breathe the fumes, mm-hmm. and it is uh, infinitely soluble. Now, this, this stuff, uh, because of the nature of it, Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: the the hydrogen fluorine bond or the hydrogen fluoride it
0: has a very unique sort of reactive profile. That's right. On contact with metals, it liberates hydrogen gas. On heating to decomposition, it can yield toxic fumes of fluorides. And uh, it attacks glass and other silicon-containing compounds. It reacts with silica to produce silicon tetrafluoride, which is also a hazardous colorless gas.
1: Yeah. Now, we should linger on that last fact for a moment because what did we say here? Hydrogen fluoride can dissolve glass. Yeah. Most of the time glass is great for storing chemicals because it is very non-reactive. You can mm-hmm. put stuff in a glass container and it'll sit there. It doesn't it doesn't react with what's inside it. Glass is made of mostly silicon dioxide, silica. Same stuff as, you know, a lot of rocks and sand. But hydrogen fluoride smashes up those silicon dioxide bonds in order to replace them with silicon fluorine bonds. Uh, And so for this reason, you can't store it in glass. You have to store it in a special container, often one made out of something that won't react with it, like polyethylene plastic, uh, but a few other materials will work. And I wanted to talk about a couple of videos that I found on the, the internet that are very interesting dealing with hydrogen
0: fluoride. And if you want to watch these, if you're in a position to watch these as you listen to the uh, podcast episode, we will include links to these on the landing page for this episode at mind.com.
1: Yeah. So these were done by uh, a group that puts out chemistry videos on the internet called Periodic Videos or Periodic Table Videos. It's uh, out of, I believe, the Chemistry Department of University of Nottingham. And they're a lot of fun. They do some experiments with some very uh, unsettling chemicals. One of them was hydrogen fluoride. Mm-hmm where they they decided to put a light bulb in the hydrogen fluoride. So it's a live light bulb with power running to it, lighting up, it half submerged in a container of hydrogen fluoride. And what do you know, after a little while sitting in the solution the glass part of the light bulb breaks off. And it breaks off in a very strange way, cleanly with a circle around where the surface of the acid is uh, is lining the outside of the glass bulb. Oh, and it nice. just kind of shears it off as if it had been scored and then removed. And that, of course, is pretty freaky, freaky because then uh, the filament immediately comes off and it starts kind of sparking. Uh, but then they did another video which I thought was really interesting, and this one's really worth a watch. So this is comparing the uh, flesh-dissolving properties of three different acids, actually the three we've just talked about. This
0: is the one I watched, and uh, yeah, this one's a lot of fun.
1: It's fantastic. So in in all three cases, what they did is they got a raw chicken leg, and they suspended it from a string, partially submerged in the acid, Uh, and then the states of the three chicken legs are monitored. And the three acids they did, like we said, are the ones we've just talked about. Hydrogen chloride, or HCl, Hi, uh, sulfuric acid or H2SO4 and then hydrofluoric acid or HF. Now, the the sort of uh, the profile we saw affecting the chicken leg was very similar for the hydrogen chloride and the sulfuric acid, wouldn't you say? Yes. Uh, yeah, they seem to do the same thing, which is that after about five minutes, not really any noticeable changes. I'm sure if you, that chicken leg could feel, it probably wouldn't feel good. Uh, But you don't really notice any burning on the outside. After 30 minutes, still nothing really noticeable. So this already is not exactly lining up with what we know about movie acid, right? Right. And these are
0: our best and our brightest acids.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, But overnight, some really interesting stuff started to happen with these two. So the previously clear solution takes on a dark pigment. And the part of the chicken that has been submerged has turned into this dark, viscous jelly that drips off of the bone when you lift it up. Uh, And then after that, they went whole hog where they cut the string and just dunked the whole chicken leg in. And it's gross. It just continues (laughs) to darken the acid solution, turn it into this... Gloopy, darkened jelly, and it it sort of begins to liquefy the outer layers of the chicken leg. Don't know what have, what would have happened if they'd just kept it going for weeks. Uh, after after a day, it was not looking good. Right, it was thoroughly
0: unappetizing. Uh, that is for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't know. People just don't it's some for some reason you want to eat a piece of chicken, or you don't want to eat some chicken jelly, but yet you like grape jelly.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, well, there you know there are different jellifications of flesh that are consumed, aren't there, in like French cuisine? Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, that's right. What's it called? Aspic. Yeah.
1: Okay. Moving on now. Uh, Now, so that's hydrogen chloride and sulfuric acid, but the the real strange one contributing here is the
0: hydrofluoric acid. This being the one that we just covered, the one that dissolves glass. Yeah.
1: Uh, And so similar profile at the beginning, after five to 30 minutes, really not any significant observed changes. Uh, like we said, it, it probably if you could be that chicken leg, it would not be pleasant. But just looking at it, nothing strange seems to have occurred. But again, overnight, some really crazy stuff starts to happen. Unlike the other two acid solutions, which darkened and took on the red, red pigment, uh, this acid solution remains clear. And the part of the chicken leg submerged in the acid has sort of partially disappeared and has a white discoloration along the sheared away surface. That looked to me, I don't know what you thought about this, it looked to me like frost or freezer
0: burn. Yeah, yeah, it did have that kind of appearance.
1: Yeah, and then also the entire rest of the leg has become discolored, so all of the red pigment in the muscle it looks like it's just been drained away, mm-hmm. and uh, even the part way up out of the acid has become pale white with greenish spots. It's lost its pink pigment. Uh, and then after they drop the whole thing in, when they cut the string, it looks almost like extremely overcooked, boiled chicken. Yeah. Pale white all over except for a
0: little part sticking out, which looks green and diseased. Like they just the worst example of steamer tray, lunchroom, chicken legs you could possibly imagine. Yeah,
1: and so I I do recommend the uh the video because the chemist who they talk to in the video has a theory about why this happens, and I, I'm I'm not going to repeat his theory, but it's
0: worth checking out. It's pretty interesting. He also has wonderful like frizzy white hair. He's just a, a fabulous uh, uh, example of a, of a British scientist. Yeah. Okay. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will get into the realm of super acids, and then we will reconverge with the xenomorph. Hey, everybody. Trips to the post office are never convenient. So why not get postage right from your desk with Stamps.com? Stamps.com gives you special postage discounts you can't get at the post office, including First Class, Priority Mail, Express, International, and more. You'll never pay full price for postage again.
1: Yeah. So here's how Stamps.com works. It's pretty simple. You use your own computer and printer to buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter or package. Then you just hand the mail off to the mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox. You're done. That's it. It's that easy. And that's all. No wonder over 600,000 small businesses are already using Stamps.com.
0: Here in the office, we use Stamps.com when we need to send out the odd bit of merch or correspondence, and we want you to try it out as well.
1: So right now, sign up for Stamps.com and use our promo code STUFF for this special offer, a four-week trial plus a $110 bonus offer that includes
0: postage and a digital scale. So don't wait. Get started with Stamps.com today. Go to Stamps.com right now before you do anything else. Click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in stuff. That's Stamps.com. Enter stuff and start mailing things. Okay, here's a question. When does an acid
1: become a super acid? We've talked about superheroes at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Batman is a... Is he a hero or a superhero? Well, he doesn't really have superpowers, but I guess he counts as a superhero.
0: Oh, yeah. He's got the costume. He's got the technology.
1: So, yeah, maybe if these other acids we just discussed, dissolving chicken legs, won't dissolve a Batman fast enough, you need a super acid to dissolve a superhero. It seems like the kind of thing a supervillain would need to to look into. Exactly. So what is a super acid? Well, a super acid is an acid that is as strong as or stronger than 100% pure sulfuric acid. Uh, And why would you ever have anything like this? What's the point of it?
0: Well, acids are an incredibly important catalyst in the chemical industry, which yeah, is sure. maybe why they're in, you know, in these industrial settings and in big open vats. Yeah. Uh, but they, ha- they have a number of applications and potential applications in fuel cell technology and the chemical and petroleum industry. So, for instance, acids don't usually react with hydrocarbons, you know, such as oil, petroleum, uh, right. but super acids do. Yeah. And so
1: we figured it's worth looking up. What's the strongest acid known to humankind? <laughs> There is an answer to this question, right? It is fluoroantimonic acid, or HSBF6. Then this is, as far as we know, the strongest superacid on
0: Earth. So what's the deal with it? So this is made by combining hydrofluoric acid with antimony pentafluoride. And this is going to sound crazy, but it, the resulting acid is billions of times stronger than sulfuric acid. Yeah, it's billions and billions of times, or just many
1: orders of magnitude stronger mm-hmm. than sulfuric acid. That is crazy. Obviously, is just... something we don't exactly know. Like I couldn't find any videos that were clearly uh, real of people dealing with this stuff. I couldn't find a lot of first-person accounts of people dealing with it. There, there's some uh, some research materials about it, but they don't really get into. Uh, into what exactly would happen by combining this with stuff. I imagine if you dipped a batman in it some some stuff would go down.
0: Yeah, but I mean I, we we found numbers that were kind of all over the place and there's no MSDS score for this, there's no SAFT data on this. So we can't we can't even like look at numbers that put it uh uh you know they make a comparison between it and 100% sulfuric acid
1: right but just based on uh on what we do know about it i think it's safe to assume that this stuff is incredibly dangerous and yes. dipping a batman in it would have some some uh consequences uh, but but you might be wondering you know with with an acid that strong something that that reactive how would you even store it, right? Because yeah. with just the hydrogen, uh, just with the HF, you've got this problem where you're dissolving glass containers. Uh, so what do you use to store it? This wasn't an, an interesting piece of information I found cited in several sources. You can actually store it with something you keep around the house. It's something with a solid bond that really doesn't want to let go and bond with other stuff. It's Teflon, huh. PTFE, so oh, wow. uh, polytetrafluoroethylene. It's uh, PTFE, and that's just a uh, a fluorine carbon bond molecule. That's it's it's very monogamous. It just doesn't want to go bond with other stuff. Huh?
0: Interesting. All right. So if you are battling a lizard ninja that may or may not have um, super uh, acid in its body, wear yeah. your Teflon ninja costume to battle it. Exactly. Okay. That's what Batman uses, I bet, to oh, yeah. sustain his encounters with vats of acid is a Teflon bat suit. So this would be what McBain's underwear was made of uh, in that that scene we were talking about from The Simpsons, because when the flood of acid oh, washes him true. away yeah. and throws him through, I think, Milhouse's um, uh, trailer, uh-huh. uh, th- the acid like quickly eats off all of his clothing except yeah. for his underwear. Yeah. Well, I, I'm
1: sure that was done for uh, network uh, censorship reasons rather than... <laughs> than scientific accuracy reasons. <laughs> but it could be. could be uh, Teflon underwear protects you from the acid. Though I don't know if that would work with every acid. That's true. Uh, I just have to assume if, if it works for the strongest acid in the world, it's going to be generally pretty effective.
0: All right. So, Joe, at this point, we've we've talked about what Hollywood acids look like. Yeah. We've talked about the real properties of, of acids. And we're already seeing how they don't really match up To our Batman dissolving needs. Doesn't mean they're not dangerous. Some of them are incredibly dangerous,
1: dangerous, but they don't behave exactly like we, we want them to, to make Batman burn.
0: Well, are there other things in our natural world that do behave like these fictionalized substances? Well... Still probably
1: not exactly. You're not going to get the green bubbling instant dissolving you kind of thing. But in many cases, I think if you want a chemical that burns through human flesh more like it does in the movies, what you want is not necessarily a strong acid, but a strong base on the Mm -hmm. opposite end of the pH scale, uh, such as lye, which would be usually sodium hydroxide in AOH or uh, potassium hydroxide, KOH. And so I, I want to re- bring to your mind a scene from a movie you might or might not have seen. You've seen Fight Club, right? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You remember the scene in Fight Club where Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, they're sitting around a table and they're making soap because this is a plot point in the movie. And one of the ingredients in making soap, and this is true, is lie. And in the scene Brad Pitt he he takes Edward Norton's hand and he kisses him on the hand and then he pours lye across the the wet spot where his lips were. Uh-huh. And this causes a reaction that begins to burn Edward Norton's hand and for the sake of, you know, a kind of macho and somewhat grandiose sense of carpe diem, Brad Pitt convinces Edward Norton to just sit there and endure the pain of the chemical burn instead of washing off the lye. And he also tells him that uh, washing it off with water would only make it worse and eventually he uses vinegar to neutralize the acid. Now... You shouldn't take your chemical safety information from a podcast. We are not chemical safety experts, and you should always consult those real experts before dealing with strong acids or bases. But from everything I've read, Brad Pitt's wisdom about the vinegar here is not exactly true. Uh, It it is true that a strong base like lye is activated in the presence of water and that you can use acids to neutralize bases – Uh, But if you've got lye on you, my non-expert opinion is that your first priority is just get it off you. Get it off your skin as fast as possible rather than running around looking for a crate of lemons to squeeze on and neutralize it. Uh, Washing it off with water would be one way, but you just want it off your skin as fast as possible. Also worth pointing out that commercial vinegar is mostly water. It's acetic acid, but it's highly diluted with water. But yes, in any case, this is an example of what strong bases can do to the skin. And in some ways, the scene is kind of accurate, like a a strong base, like a lye in the presence of water on the skin can definitely burn you. It can cause bad chemical burns. And can definitely truly dissolve human flesh under the right conditions. Uh, So this is one thing we also see the movie acid being used for. It's like the mafia hitmen in the movie have some vat of acid in their basement Mm -hmm. and they they whack somebody and they put them into the vat of acid and it dissolves them. Right. But studies have actually – shown that if you really want to dissolve a human body, we're not trying to give anybody pointers on how to commit murder
0: and no, no, dispose this is, of evidence This here. is just science presented by the uh, the, the Mafia Science Institute in right. New York. yeah. Uh, th- apparently, the better way to do that
1: would be with a strong base rather okay. than a strong acid for, for fully dissolving flesh. And one piece of evidence for this is something we've actually talked about on the podcast before do you remember the episode we did last October about the future of the uh, dealing with human remains? Yes. Mm-hmm. And green burials and stuff like that. And so the method, one method we talked about is known as alkaline hydrolysis. And this is a method of disposing of cadavers. It's used by lots of medical facilities. And there's increasing interest in using it as a cheaper and greener alternative to traditional burial and cremation. And essentially it goes like this. You put the body – into a pressurized chamber that contains a mixture of water and lye. So here's your strong base. And then you heat the chamber to around 160 degrees Celsius or, you know, over 300 degrees Fahrenheit. And the body is liquefied in just a few hours and it can be washed down the drain. And uh, any remaining bone fragments, they can be pulverized and dealt with however you want. But now obviously the heat and the pressure here are playing a big role in what's going on. But the strong base is crucial. It's an MVP dissolver of organic material, such as a human body or or an animal carcass or a Batman. And so one of my suggestions is that maybe we should
0: start replacing movie acids in our fiction with movie bases. I think part of the problem is that acid sounds cooler. Acid is more, even though I think most people know that you have acids and bases. Yeah. uh, It's like just the word itself, acid. Yeah. Instead of like base, <laughs> you know, like which one which one is just like linguistically potent. Yeah. Uh, for, for
1: fictional purposes, which one sounds scarier to be protonated or to be deprotonated?
0: Yeah. And then, of course, acid. I mean, we talk about, oh, well, that person has a really, uh, you know, acidic attitude or something. You know, it's like it's right. We, we acid is just going to make your sentence that much stronger. It's going to make yeah. your threat to the superhero that much stronger.
1: Yeah, it's it's it has more resonance despite the fact that it might not be as great a wonderful dissolver of organic material as right. <laughs> something like lye. But yeah, I'm ready, Robert, for you to take us back to the Nostromo.
0: All right. Well, you know, the my uh, motion detector is going off here. Beep. <laughs> Beep. I think it's actually coming from inside the room at this point. So yeah, let's let's talk about the Xenomorph. Yeah, okay. So we mentioned this earlier in the episode. This is one...
1: Fantastic example of movie acid. I think it's probably my favorite movie acid is mm-hmm. the alien's blood,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, it's so well utilized and, uh, and, and and feels like a real threat and helps to just position the creature... You know, we can barely touch it. Like yeah. we can barely wound it, and when we do wounding it, might kill us.
1: Yeah. So we've described sort of what happens in the scene in the first scene where they use it. There, there are many different ways the acid appears throughout all of the movies that have aliens in them. Uh, but it, it typically always burns and dissolves things. It's it's you don't want to get it on you. It might kill you. It might burn you. But. Is is there anything we can relate this acid to in the real world? Could an organism really behave this way, and what
0: might its acid blood be? Ah, well, this is a fantastic question. Um, but before I get into it, uh, I do want to mention that, uh, as a fun note, there is an older monster, perhaps the most famous uh, monster in, in Western literature, uh, that also boasted corrosive blood, and that's Grendel. Oh, wow. Yeah, I— it's been so long since I've read from Beowulf. From, it's been so long, yes, yeah, since I've read Beowulf. Uh, I've certainly read things since then that have Grendel in them. Yeah, but it's been so long. I didn't. I didn't even realize this. I had sort of rediscovered this in our research. This is crazy. So, of course, Beowulf is a
1: classic of Anglo-Saxon literature, Old English literature, mm-hmm. uh, where you know you got this epic. The hero Beowulf goes in to slay the monster that's been harassing this. Uh, I don't know. Would you even call it a town? This encampment of humans. Yeah. Uh, and so, what's the deal? So
0: he goes in to slay Grendel, and he encounters some acid blood. Yeah, basically, like he ends up getting this uh, special sword, and then at the end, he he he's earlier he rips off Grendel's arm, wounds him. Yeah, follows Grendel back to his lair, cuts his head off, and then the blood from the from the the beheading it melts the blade. This is a translation, obviously, but uh, the sword blade began then the blood having touched it, contracting and shriveling with battle icicles, twas a wonderful marvel that had melted entirely. So, it's my understanding that you could kind of interpret this as maybe his blood is really hot and just melted it, uh, you know, as in a, you know, a great fire. uh uh-huh. um, Or that it's acidic, depending on your interpretation. Uh, either way, that's, that's quite uh, an adaptation on the part of the, the Grindel organism.
1: Oh, man. I wonder if this is the oldest single version of the creature that spits toxic chemicals.
0: Matt, Me- Maybe, you know, I can't, I can't think of another mythic creature that has this. this They breathe fire, but yeah, there's certainly fire breathing, but as far as acids or something that is corrosive, that is, uh, you know, destroying the weapons that are used against it. I can't think of one offhand. Yeah.
1: Huh. Crazy. Well, anyway, we, we should return to our modern example, though. So uh, imagine Beowulf goes in to slay a Xenomorph. He'd have exactly the same problem, right? The Xenomorph queen's in there. She's been harassing the town. He takes in his special sword. He lops off its head and the sword melts, right? Yes, the sword melts. Now you got the
0: job done, but yeah, the, your your magical weapon is ruined.
1: Yeah, May, maybe spraying him on the face in the process and killing him. Yes. Getting the last laugh after all.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's Beowulf, so he'd probably dodge it. I always have this thing. I always sympathize with Grendel. Uh, oh, yeah. I've yet to see an adaptation uh, of the story where I'm like, oh, yeah, Beowulf's a good dude. I can get behind him. I always sympathize with the monster. Well, I mean, yeah, Grendel's the loner. <laughs>
1: Well, maybe one of the first places we should look to see uh what what the alien's blood might be would be to look behind the scenes in the movie and see, uh-huh. okay, so how do they create the special effect? In the in the alien movies, you see the aliens spill their blood. Uh like in the first movie, uh in Ridley Scott's film, you see it spill on the floor, it burns through the floor, and it just keeps burning through floors until finally it stops. What what was going on there? Well, I, I found some accounts online of the where this special effect came from. And supposedly it was created by the uh, alien special effects supervisor, Brian Johnson. And the, the acid effect was essentially uh, a combination of some various chemicals. And then that was applied to – and this is pretty clever – Styrofoam floors. Oh, okay. they just made they made Styrofoam ship, uh, hull, I don't know what Styrofoam stuff that would be the floors of the ship, and then spray painted it silver to make it look like it was metal.
0: What's the name of the company? Uh, the corporation Wayland, we- 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 Weyland- Utani. Maybe they were just super cheap, and they are yeah. like, ah, Styrofoam, styrofoam ships. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. I'm sure that's what it was, but in, in, in any sense, so what was it made of? Well, the blood they had was made of chloroform. Acetone, cyclohexylamine, and acetic acid, which is vinegar pretty much. Uh, acetic acid is diluted to create vinegar, and then some other compounds. But I thought this is funny because so uh, acetic acid, yes, of course, is an acid diluted, diluted in, in water to make vinegar with some other flavorings. Uh, acetone is not an acid, that's neutral, a uh, neutral pH of seven. Uh, cyclohexylamine is a base. And then, then of course, it had chloroform and stuff. And apparently it it eats through styrofoam all right, but it probably wouldn't eat through a real spacecraft's hull. Mm -hmm. And one of the big reasons it eats through styrofoam is probably the presence of acetone. I don't know if you've ever seen videos of what happens when you pour acetone on a styrofoam wig head or
0: something like that. I don't think I've seen those videos. Though. If you
1: ever want to make a head melt for a bunch of children, this is a fun party trick. But just don't <laughs> don't get any of the
0: Well, I'll keep that in mind for on. my son's uh uh yeah. f- fifth birthday.
1: Yeah. So like here's the head of your enemy, and you just pour some acetone on that styrofoam head and it just <laughs> oh no, it melts. Oh. So it works great for a special effect, but probably would not work for a real organism that wanted to melt through metal and plastic and all, all of the other stuff that probably makes up a ship.
0: Yeah. And want is a good uh it's a good verb to use here because, of course, that brings up the question: like, well, how does this occur? Is this a an evolved trait? Is this an engineered trait? What, what is the origin of the xenomorph? Then, uh, d- depending on how these work, uh, but I have I have a couple of of uh, proposals here, okay, as to what could be going on with the xenomorph. So, my f- my first more modest uh, and explosive proposition is this, uh, and I'm sure that this doesn't match up to everybody's. Uh, uh, interpretation of the franchise or every entry of the franchise. But right. here's the thing. Okay, so we see the thing bleeding acid when it's harmed. Right. You shoot it, cut it, whatever, It acid yeah. shoots out. And of course, we also see it using the acid offensively occasionally, such as when that face hugger Uh, uh, melts through the glass uh, dome on the helmet. Oh, yeah. It didn't Uh, have to cut itself to do that. Right. It It somehow just utilized it, Secreted this. So what if this isn't the creature's blood at all, really? Not properly, but rather an acid stored throughout the body to react to physical harm uh, that in turn harms the attacker. That's interesting because it wouldn't have to be the blood, would it? I mean, you wouldn't. This
1: wouldn't have to be the substance that's circulating molecular oxygen to the body tissues.
0: Right. It wouldn't be serving other purposes in the body. It would be there expressly uh, to rupture during physical harm to uh, to harm or destroy the attacker. Yeah. And the thing is, we see something very similar, really identical, in terrestrial termites and ants. Who also serve a queen. You know, they also, I mean, the, the termite had a huge influence on especially aliens. Yeah. So, um, so we call this a process, this practice, um, autothesis. And this is the process by which a natural world organism destroys itself via the internal rupturing of an organ or gland that in turn ruptures the skin. So it's a purely muscular exercise caused by deliberate contractions around the engorged tissue.
1: Fascinating.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because this is the kind of thing that apparently evolved from pooping on your enemy. Like what started off as like poop on the enemy when they attack. Defensive and defecation. Yeah, defensive defecation. But then it becomes like if you can't get that poop out of the anus fast enough, just like make it rupture through your body and that has steadily evolved <laughs> over time into more complex modes of uh, of self-rupturing. And the the body buster par excellence here is Neocapitermes terracula. And this is um this is a fabulous organism. So the species workers grow abdominal sacs of toxic blue crystals throughout their lives. Uh, but these, uh, explosive backpacks as some studies refer to them are, are most pronounced in elderly workers. So, oh, okay. So as they become less useful to the colony, they yeah. sort of turn into the suicide bombers. Exactly. Like, you know, you don't have, you have dull and useless mandibles. You're really not, not that much use, but you've become a stockpile for toxic substances. Uh, and that becomes your purpose. When enemies invade, uh, uh the termite mound, uh, the the they just rush forward. The invaders then bite into their bodies, and that's when the blue crystals combine with uh, uh, salivary secretions to produce a deadly chemical weapon. Huh. So that would mean that the the xenomorph here would simply boast a system of pressurized acid tubes, and it's pre- it is merely the rupture of those tubes that we see. Uh, and it, and is therefore an act of uh, autothesis. So this would be like highly uh, concentrated stomach acid or something else that uh, has evolved into this defensive mode.
1: Yeah, and of course we do see from our own stomachs, so like we talked about earlier, that it's possible for a body to contain within it some mm-hmm. uh, some concentration of acid that would be very damaging if we encountered it externally or in the wrong part of the body. You just need specialized cells along whatever, you know, uh, body tissue is containing it to to buffer it, essentially, to keep it uh, uh, from reacting with the rest of
0: the body. Exactly. Now, of course, all of this is taking a very terrestrial approach to it. It's taking a very carbon-biased, water-biased approach. But, of course, not all modes of life, not all biochemistries out there uh, are necessarily based on carbon or based on water. Hmm. So we might have to take it a bit, bit further. What sort of organism might have blood that is either incidentally or adaptively corrosive, at least to our sort of flesh? Well, perhaps they're silicon-based life forms as opposed to carbon-based. So even here on Earth, uh, we have silicic acid, which is a very weak acid in our hair, our nails, our epidermis. Uh, so it seems con- conceivable uh, that this or perhaps... Uh, Hexafluorosilicic acid might play into a silicone-based xenomorphs anatomy. Huh. And uh, this is the exact sort of biochemistry that could enable a life form to thrive in a sulfuric acid-rich environment. Now, I'm not sure it could be as potent as what we see in the films, but this is an area where I think, you know, if there are any biochemists uh, listening, you'll have to weigh in on that for us. Yeah, well, I mean... I...
1: How, how reactive would an acid or or whatever the chemical is, maybe it's a strong base actually mm-hmm. that it's releasing, how strong would it have to be to really eat through the hull that fast? Is there any chemical that would really eat through the hull that fast? I don't know about that. Maybe what what if it has the fluoroantimonic acid in it?
0: Yeah. And, you know, the thing is for a defense, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about something that has evolved this as a basic defense against humanoid creatures that are very that are at least semi-human. Yeah. Like all you would need, you wouldn't need a very strong acid uh, or base at all to just like get in their eyes and give you a moment's advantage in some sort of an altercation. Right. But it, but anyway. it seems
1: as if it's an organism perfectly conceived to be unkillable on a spaceship for
0: plot purposes. <laughs> Indeed. It is a perfect organism. Now, some experts, including the uh, the late great Carl Sagan, have speculated that uh, alternate astrobiologies could still entail carbon, but depend on something other than water as the solvent, such as ammonia or perhaps hydrofluoric acid what yeah and of course this is crazy because we we mentioned the face hugger burning through the, the presumably glass helmet yeah and uh, and what does hydrofluoric acid do but it can break down uh, glass as we mentioned yeah of course now it does take a while yeah again
1: one of the things that's always not quite matching up right between the, the movie acid and the acid in the uh, in the real experiments we're talking about is just rapidity yes it's just the time it takes to dissolve things right
0: everything's instant in the films and it just it doesn't seem to be that way with real chemistry. So here's a quote from Sagan in 1980s uh, Cosmos, uh, his book. Perhaps elsewhere, some solvent other than water is used. Hydrofluoric acid might serve rather well. Although there is not a great deal of fluorine in the cosmos, hydrofluoric acid would do a great deal of damage to the kind of molecules that make us up. But other organic molecules, paraffin waxes, for example, are perfectly stable in its presence. I like your Carl Sagan voice. It it's it it's not that great of a voice. We really need, what we need is we need uh, Chuck to come in and do his Kermit the Frog voice. Oh yeah. Which I think also sounds very Sagan-y. I don't think I've ever heard that oh, one. Oh, you should you should ask him to do a little Kermit, but read some cosmos. I think your Carl Sagan's pretty good, man. <laughs> don't don't put yourself down. All right. Well, you know, well Sagan's not the only one to chime in on this. Uh Plenty of other biochemists have also uh, uh, looked at you know, possible alternate biochemistries, and uh, they've presented sulfuric acid as a possibility. So it's certainly more cosmically common. Yeah, you know, so it it would it would make sense. Uh, in the 2007 book, "The Limits of Organic Life in Planetary Systems," and this is a book by a number of authors. Uh, it's, it's 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 credited authors are the Committee on the Limits of Organic Life in Planetary Systems. Um, the National Research Council and a few other bodies. I'm not going to list them all. But uh, in a chapter titled Why Water Toward More Exotic Habitats, uh, they uh, state the following, quote, sulfuric acid is a reasonably good solvent that supports chemical reactivity. Sulfuric acid is known to exist above Venus, where three cloud layers at 40 to 70 kilometers are composed mostly of aerosols of sulfuric acid, about 80% in the upper layer and then 98% in the lower layer. The temperature, about uh, 310 uh, Kelvin at about 50 kilometers altitude at about 1.5 ATM, is consistent with stable carbon-to-carbon covalent bonds. So the take-home here is that, yes, it is conceivable that we would have a, a, a... a carbon-based life form in which the solvent is sulfuric acid. It's reasonable. Now, whether that life could actually match up to the uh, just profound uh, standards that we've set with the xenomorph, uh, that's another issue. Yeah. Are,
1: Are you breaking my heart, Robert? Are you telling me that there's probably not a xenomorph anywhere in our solar system?
0: I am saying that the xenomorph exists in the realm of forms, yeah, oh okay, <laughs> and, and but the universe that we live in it's it, it may be at least willing to meet us halfway well, even a pale imitation of a xenomorph would be welcome to my ears, yes, so in my eyes as it burned them out <laughs> so if you yeah if you live to be um, you know several thousand years old your your life prolonged by all the various uh, technologies available to you, and you set yourself on the perfect death, you want to die v- via the acidic blood of, a, of, a, of an alien species, mm-hmm. there is maybe some hope.
1: So, Robert, I've enjoyed exploring this with you because I, I, I've i always loved movie acid, and I wonder what it is that captivates us so much about acid. I want to go back to that question I started with, why, you know, they so they put Batman in the bank vault. Okay. And, oh, no, it's boiling acid. <laughs> It could have been boiling water or even room temperature water, and it still would have killed him. But that wouldn't be nearly as interesting. For some reason, we want acid. Why is acid so interesting as a way to kill people when you could get the same thing done with just a hot uh, normal liquid? You know, it could be hot uh, bleach. I mean, well, yeah, that would be that would be a pretty weird, interesting way to kill people. But Mm -hmm. hot water, boiling water that people would be
0: like, huh, Why, why didn't you go to acid? Well, because – well, for one thing, boiling water is every day, right? Yeah. Or if not every day, it's like even – like most people have some experience of putting the macaroni in the boiling water.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, and I think that's right. I think uh, heating heating is a method of changing the chemical nature of something that's very familiar to us, whereas the chemical reactions that take place and the bond breaking that takes place when you've got an acid solution of water – that That's something that's less familiar to us. We don't understand what's going on there, and, f- and for that reason, it's kind of like magic.
0: Yeah, it's—to the, the average viewer, like, a bad guy dissolving in acid makes as much scientific sense as one Ron Silver touching another Ron Silver in Time Cop and then becoming a big red goo of melt. Right. But, uh,
1: yeah, th- that's why they're both wonderful. They, yes. They, they capture the <laughs> magic of nonsense. Exactly. They, they put it
0: right into your face. <laughs> Or on the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, so there you have it. Hollywood Acid. Uh, so again, you want to check out more episodes of the podcast. You want to check out the links we we're talking about, some related material. Head on over to stufftoblowyourmind.com. That's where you'll find all our podcast, including this one. The landing page will have some cool links to related content on the site and off the site. Uh, that website will also have videos, blog posts, links out to our social media accounts, such as Facebook and Twitter. We are blow the mind on both of those. We're stuff to blow your mind on Tumblr and Instagram, I believe. So check those out as well. And if you want to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, or you want
1: to let us know what your quest Questions or ideas are—you can always email us at blowthemind@howstuffworks.com. At For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com.